describes acts of extreme violence in graphic detail and may include discussions about demonology and the occult, topics that caused widespread panic during the 1980s. This content may not be suitable for children under the age of 50. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. today rob uh well it's a little hard to tell out the window the the uh landscape is speeding by but i believe we're in baba yaga's hut running as fast as its little chicken yes will go. we are we've put it at full chicken speed why is that rob oh well i just was able to jump aboard this morning to get into the studio uh, there was this enormous crowd angry of, mob oh with an angry mob pitchforks and torches chasing Babiaga's hut. Right. They were screaming. They were. It was. It was a pretty. It was a. It was an ugly scene. Is all I'm saying. I jumped off of a horse. James reached out a hand, grabbed me, swung me in, strained his shoulder. That's right. I pulled the pulled the ligament. This this arm is almost disabled. I'll be applying for workman's comp. That's fine. You, I, 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 my solicitor will be writing you a check. So welcome, welcome all. Hey, uh, so again, thanks to Rob for stepping in. Dan is still on sabbatical or some special assignment. Where did you say Dan was? Well, I got a text from Dan. He's uh, exploring his uh, a new career in fame and fortune. Uh, right. He, he's um, he has a chronicle of, um, is he the exclusive editor of or writer of the Gnome Realms, or does he work with you? I don't I, know. Actually, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. It's oh. Yellow Cap and uh, Nut Brown oh, right. are the writers of the of the known gnome realms. That's true. But uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I understand. Well, he's I thought got... I thought he's a field researcher for them. That's what I meant. Oh, sometimes he does that too. But I guess while he was there, he got discovered. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, I understand that uh, somebody thought he was a particularly uh, beautiful specimen of, and decided to. Um, he's in a casting call. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Casting call for what? I think it's a movie called um, Enter the Badger. Ooh, Enter the Badger. Yeah. He, um, I don't know. It seems like it's... Uh, I haven't, seen, haven't read anything about it, but Sam seemed pretty excited about it. <laughs> I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing him have, making a casting call <laughs> for Enter the Badger. Support Grog Talk by becoming a patron at www.patreon.com backslash Grog Talk. All right, and we are back 
And we have a new little figure. I want to welcome John from Tale of the Manicore uh, live on our show. Welcome, John. Welcome to Grog Talk. Hey, John. thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. So, so John, uh, John and I connected uh, a, a little bit ago. We uh, he reached out to us and said, "Hey, I, you know, I like your show. We'd love to talk more." And asked for us to do a promo, and Dan and I were happy to do that. And yeah. you know, so we got. Uh, I started listening to his podcast and seeing what he's done, and it's what intrigued me. Rob was uh, the fact that he his podcast. I let him explain it was a style of play that I have not done a lot. So I'm going to let John explain that to everyone. So with that, John, how did you get into gaming? Let's. We always like asking people. When they started, what they did, and and how they how'd you get into gaming? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I'm uh, I'm just just fifty this year, and so I got into gaming uh, with the Purple Box when I was twelve years old. Sorry, it's the morning. <clears throat> there we go. That's 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 what you want as a good first impression. Anyway, I got into gaming when I was about twelve years old, uh, and uh, through my older brother. And he had gotten the purple box, the Mold Bay edition of Basic, and um, I think he he was very much into it, um, and needed players, and I'm sure that was the only reason why he would have anything to do with me. Uh, but when I got my hands on that thing, I think I think it was the uh, the Air Lotus art, and the Jeff D art, that were absolutely, you know. For a 12 year old kid, that was that was crack. Oh my! Uh, I was the the instantly hooked. Those, uh, you're not the first or even the 3,000th person to have told me right, that right. that artwork got them into playing D&D. And I, I, I know every <clears throat> one of those pictures, like the back of my hand, like that Morgan Iron Wolf. I stared at that thing for so long that the rack of weapons in the basic D&D book, um, he, here's what a fan I was. This is, this is how obsessed. Uh, I noticed that you've got that glossy of Gary back on the shelf uh, over your shoulder there. Uh, when I was a kid, at 13 years old, I wrote into TSR to ask for a signed autograph of Gary Gygax. It was the first fan letter and, and one of the only fan letters I've ever written in my life. And actually, they responded and they sent me one. Wow. A signed glossy. You, do you uh, still it's, have it? It's, no, no, I got nothing. I got rid of everything. I used to have oh. boxes of minis. I had the the original purple box. I had I had so much stuff, so much stuff, and I got rid of all of it uh, because my D and D uh, career only lasted from about twelve to eighteen years old, and then I I dumped it. I bet you know why. Uh, we call it well when it came to Boy Scouts. We called it the the lean years: Maybelline and gasoline, girls and cars. <laughs> That's about it. That's about it. So, uh, of course, if you're a certain vintage, you know what kind of uh, social stigma was attached to d and I think you had to be there to really get it. Uh, I, I still carry that around today, to be honest, and I, I don't really share my hobby with people that aren't already in it. Uh, I just assume that they won't get it and that they would judge me for it. I, I'm sure I'm wrong. No, no, no. I'm and, the same way. Really, I like it's. It's. Uh, I'm. I'm like a closeted gamer in a in a way. I mean, I have this. I have this podcast out there, but um, I don't. I don't. I don't talk about it at, at work or, um, you know, I've got my friends who game and then my friends who don't, and I don't 
ever bring it up. I, some of my very close friends don't know I run a podcast or anything like that. So that was, and so you were in what, what Dan and I uh, stole from the Grognard files called the deep freeze. We left gaming for decades and we, so when did you reemerge into gaming? I got back into it with the pandemic actually. Wow. So that's uh, really late. For, for Yeah, really late. It was a deep, deep freeze. Uh, Bren, uh, Brendan Fraser, Fraser sized deep freeze. Uh, I was the Encino man for sure. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I came out of it because of the, because uh, of the pandemic. <clears throat> I had been, uh, I, I'd never really, I'd never lost the interest. I mean, that's, that's in the bone for me. It like really, really deep, deep, deep in my, in my, in my bones. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll never lose interest in fantasy. It's, it's my favorite thing in the world, I think. Uh, so I always w- would keep the the flame burning with novels and uh, video games and Lord of the Rings movies and then uh, you know um, uh, Jer- uh, Martin uh, all the Game of Thrones stuff. So I was always in it, but uh, I had given up gaming because of because of the stigma. Yeah, the, the your lean years exactly. <laughs> so um, and, and again, folks, if you have questions, if you haven't had a chance to. Listen to uh, Tale of the Manicore. It's everywhere. We'll do the in- initial plug, right? It's on all the major platforms, right? Is it, it, yeah. it, are, you, are you mostly on Audible? Is that where I've heard of this? Or are you on all the it's, others? It's there. I'm on all of them. I'm on all of them. So, uh, yeah, all, all of them. Wherever you get your podcasts, it's there. And, you know, when we talked, you started your podcast. So you have a blog, too, Tale of the Manicore. Is it? Yeah, uh, at Blogger or where is it at? Uh... Yeah, at Blogspot.com. It's it's just it's just a bunch of extras. At first, it was a kind of a journal of starting a podcast, right? But uh, eventually, you run out of that kind of thing to talk about, and so it just became I, I get into crafting or dice making or uh, AI generated uh, character uh, pictures, whatever, whatever kind of like. I was into at the moment. And so it just became where I would post also my show notes yeah. just because there's like a, a moral and I guess legal obligation to, to say like, where do you get your music and, and stuff? Like that. So there's a question came up on the chat. Is it, can you spell tail or is, and is it tail or tails or tail or tail? <laughs> is it tail with I L or L E? It's it's T A L E, and so I, when I started, um, I figured if you do a podcast, you kind of you got to have a pun in there somewhere. I think it's a law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I, I had I had a couple of candidates. One of them was like die by the sword. Uh, I had a, <laughs> I had a bunch, but um, I essentially just wrote a short list and then Googled them. And if they turned up, then I struck them out. And well, okay, that are somebody already thought of die by the sword. Imagine that. So I just kept looking until I found one that uh, wasn't taken and that I could live with. So, yep, Tale of the Manticore. And um, so on your show notes, I noticed that you you basically said, I'm going to take advantage of this pandemic and do this podcast. So kind of walk through how you did that and, um, you know, the progression of that. Right, right. So, um, like I said, I was always trying to stay involved in fantasy and consuming a lot of other people's stuff. And so I had discovered uh, podcasts right before the pandemic. And um, the one that really hooked me 
was um, the Adventure Zone, which of course is oh yes so popular and has has spawned probably thousands. I mean, they wrote a book called Everyone Has a Podcast, but you because they inspired so many podcasts and, and I'm I, I'm one of those. <clears throat> it was through the McElroys that I learned that um, you could do a, a D&D podcast at all. Uh, I mean, I, I'd heard of Critical Role, but my, my hot take is that I, I, I just don't enjoy it. I, I don't judge anybody that does, but I just don't, I just don't get it myself. So anyway, um, I, I love the Adventure Zone. Oh, I used to, I used to love that. I loved Adventure Zone as well. Yeah, my, yeah, my oldest son loves it too. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it's not just funny. It's, it's actually like the drama is extremely well done. They're, they're so clever. Those guys, they're, those guys are all geniuses. I think they're, they're just so good at what they do. And it, and it sort of showed me like, oh, you could have a, a story with real depth. Um, and, uh, I don't do a comedy show. I do the very opposite, but, um, but I, I loved what they did. And I started looking for other shows, especially ones that weren't doing comedy. And I thought, wow, if this is out there, there must be thousands of other shows out there that, uh, that, that are, that are doing this kind of thing. So I started just, um, sort of a cold sampling as many uh, D&D podcasts as I could find. I, I didn't realize it, but there's obviously, you know, hundreds and hundreds of them out there, an ocean of them out there. And I stumbled across one that kind of changed everything for me. Uh, it's called The Iron Realm. And The Iron Realm was a guy that was playing a D&D game solo, and it was, it was not comedy. Comedy is hard to do solo. Yeah. And I think that might be why you find a lot of comedy podcasts for groups like actual plays, uh, all almost zero um, serious ones for a group. Because when you get together with people, you you just want to kind of kid around and, and have some laughs, and 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 it's kind of just a natural way to socialize to be funny. You'd have to like really sit down and go, okay, we're gonna make this thing. No laughs, no comedy. Are we all in it together? Mm -hmm. uh, some people have done it, but they are they're rare as hen's teeth these like serious group actual plays. Anyway, I found the Iron Realm. It was lightning in a bottle. It was like reliving my 12-year-old self. Amazing. And, and the the guy that made it, Abel Enzo, he's a he's a super like he's a performer. He really like he he commits to the bit of being this kind of like grim uh dungeon master. And so when the pandemic came, I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna find dozens of these and just spend the pandemic listening to all these amazing dark fantasy uh, podcasts, but there aren't any others. It turns out that really that was it. And so I thought there should, there should be many, many more like this. This is amazing. Uh, and then I realized, Oh, wait a minute. I've got uh, some, I'm a, like an amateur um, recording engineer and uh, I can, I can write and record music. I've got a, very nice microphone right in front of me. Uh, I love D and D as a understatement. Uh, is there anybody who should be doing this more than me? I, I, everything just kind of came together. Like I should, I should make this. There's like, there's a need for it. At least I wanted it to exist. And, um, what is, uh, uh, little Miranda from Hamilton. What's he say? Make, the thing that you wish existed yes. in the world. I'm paraphrasing. Yes. And so that's what I did. I decided to like make the thing that I wished existed. And, and so I, I had this idea from the iron realm podcast that it could be done. And, uh, I, I liked the, he, he had a kind of a format where he would do some, 
uh, solo actual play, and then he would have uh, like a section of lore or a section of backstory or a section of this and that. And I thought this is this is really smart. And, and basically, I, I I took his recipe and I just tweaked it till it became like customized for my specific tastes. Uh, and um, that's kind of how I started. And, and, and like a lot of podcasters, I stumbled through the first episodes. Um, I, I didn't really know what I, I didn't know what I was doing, uh, especially because I was in what is essentially not, not just a new media for me, but a new mode of storytelling, because there aren't a lot of examples out there of uh, what I, what I now call like semi-actual play. It's um you could call it a reenactment of a game that happened. It, it kind of like that. It's the audiobook of a game that really was played. Okay. That's kind of what I do now. So what intrigued me was when I listened to the podcast was it's it's based on solo play. So mm-hmm. again, that's a that's a movement that I wasn't very familiar with till recently. We had, <laughs> you know, back in the day you had choose your adventure books, you had yeah. fighting fantasy yeah. books. You know, you had that. There was a reference in Gygax in the DMG about potentially using Appendix A for solo play, but it was not. Right. It was not something anyone did. So, explain for people who may be like me, what is solo play? Uh, you kind of alluded right. to it. What are the mechanics briefly of solo play, and how you use that to create your podcast? Yeah, I, I mean, like you, I was not aware. I, I, I was not interested. And if you had asked me, um, you know, at any point of my life before the last three years, do you think you would end up doing a solo RPG anything? I would. That would be a flat no, completely uninterested. And I probably would have insisted that it couldn't work, uh, you know, with the kind of conviction that only people that have no experience can have. Uh, would John have uh, attacked him instantly? Right. <laughs> yes, but. Yes, but. But. He... <laughs> yes, but. Um, so. Uh, I, I I learned about it through the Iron Realm podcast and uh, and realized it could be done. Uh, and basically, here's how it works: you um, you maybe you start with like a, a DM hat on and you imagine a scenario the same way you would if you had a table of players there. It could be anything. It could be you meet in a tavern. It doesn't matter. You just pick a a, a starting point. It's the same as any table game. And then you know the the DM hat comes off. The player hat goes on. And you react to whatever the conflict is that the DM has given. It, just in this case, you're both. Uh, and it, it sounds it sounds strange, I, I know, because I was definitely there. Um, but it's, in, it's incredibly easy to do, and it works incredibly well. Uh, you can do it with um, D, uh, GM emulators. Uh, there's Iron Sworn. There's the amazing uh, Mythic system by Tana Pigeon. You don't actually need any of those. You could do the the D6 thing with uh, with the yes, yes, but, yes, and. I, that works well, too. Actually, you don't need anything. All you need is uh, to be able to imagine a scenario. Give Make a problem. You've got some characters that you roll up in exactly the same way as you would for whatever system you're playing. Uh, and then you think, well, how would these characters react? Would they Would they flee? Would they fight? Would they search would they whatever and and then when you need them the dice come out and you roll it's basically exactly the same as any game only you're playing the dm and the characters and all of those kind of conflicts of influx uh conflicts of interest that you might imagine 
they, they don't happen very often. It's super, super rare that I come across anything where uh, I have to think like, oh, my, I have information that my players wouldn't have, so to speak. Uh, and how do I resolve this? It, it just doesn't happen. It's actually, it flows in a way easier than a table game because all of the players are you. And so all of, there's no personality conflicts. There's no, some, nobody's hogging the spotlight or the microphone. Uh, nobody's showing up late every week. It, in a lot of ways, it's easier. I, I have a, I have a live uh, group as well here uh, in Toronto. Um, and I love playing with them, but um, it one isn't better or worse actually. So, so solo actually works way better than you might imagine because my knee jerk would be like eh, not not for me that also seems um almost sad in how lonely like just by the description but it's not it's 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 much closer to writing a novel with dice that's that's really what it's like well something you said um with regards to that as the oftentimes when you are a gm at, at a table with other players yeah. you you can strive mightily to lay down clues and your players mm-hmm. ignore them. Yeah. Have you ever, as a DM, laid down clues that your PCs just wouldn't pick up on? Is, is this in the case of I'm also the players? Yes, you're also the players. And <laughs> I, I'm just saying I would, I would imagine that one of the benefits of this is that your players will probably investigate the strange, uh, mysterious figure in the corner that you spent five yeah. minutes describing instead of, uh, ignoring them and and uh, right. picking uh, picking up barmaids. Right. Yeah. My my actual flesh and blood live, not me. Players. Um, they will they will uh, crack any puzzle I give them. They're all like programmers and whatnot, and way way too smart, uh, much smarter than I am, and I can't fool them. Uh, but in the case of uh, a solo game, if you are doing like a mystery or a puzzle. Yeah. Now that is a case where it's that that is actually a challenge. And so I don't do a lot of puzzle type uh, encounters and even a mystery can can be hard. But if again, if you come back to it in the way of like if you're writing a novel and you have characters that are working their way through a mystery, you could absolutely do that. And and so um Without sort of breaking the game, the gameiness of of the thing, uh, and, and so if I am going to do a kind of a mystery, I, I might do it through DM fiat and just decide whether the characters notice the thing, don't notice the thing, or whether that requires a role. I, I don't know if that answers your it question. It does. It does. <laughs> yeah. And and so and so, John, you know, again, you start this idea in the middle of the pandemic. Um, we all, do, you know, we started uh, a year before that. And, you know, you've been very successful. I mean, you've had, a, you know, at the time. It's worked out. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, a few hundred thousand downloads and, you know, you're, and you're pretty much a podcaster. You don't do the YouTuber at this point, right? This, your focus is podcast. Right. So you, the audio right. is your palette that you're using to, to do yeah, this. That's right. And, that's and right. So, so, again, you take the solo play um, and then you do some of it through the podcast or you recap it during the podcast thematically. I guess that's, that's the part I'm still trying to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's what, what you might think, like what, once you kind of grok the idea of this semi-actual play, okay, there's a game, but now it's 
turned into a like an old old time radio drama. That's the that's the sort of idea in a nutshell. And so you might think, okay, so you play the game, you record it, and then you rewrite it as a script. And, and you could do that, and that would work. And if it was a group effort, I think that would probably be the way to do it. Um, but the, for sake of efficiency, uh, I don't do that any anymore. Actually, really, really quickly, I just kind of sat down at the computer and started typing whatever the DM hat wearer would say to a group. And then you just type the reaction and you find that you are, you're playing and typing and creating the script. It all actually happens at the same time. And then if there's an encounter that requires dice rolls, I just have dice right here by my keyboard and they come out and I just do the rolls right there. So the script writing and the game playing is the same thing. I see. It's, it, there's that movement of like slow food. Have you heard of the slow food movement? You're supposed to eat really, really yeah. slowly and savor every, anyway. We um, should. I, I mean, clearly I, I don't do slow food. <laughs> I eat as much foods and try to cram it down as quickly as possible. So my brain doesn't tell me I'm full. And we're the fast food, right. the fast food movement. I should try the, uh, I should try the slow drinking yeah. uh, movement. Well, maybe. that was going to be my thought, John, was that perhaps, you know, you were talking about player fiat and not remembering choices. Yeah that he could just be completely drunk at a couple of times and just write yeah. down things and then wake up the next morning and go, oh, apparently we Whoa. did that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, would, that gaming, would work out pretty better well. Better gaming through pharmaceuticals. I mean, you'd enjoy the game like never before, perhaps, whatever you could remember of it. Yeah, anyway, so th this is like slow gaming. So I'll, I'll sit down and I'll, I'll type for um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, and, and that is the gameplay. Uh, but because I only type so quickly, you're really thinking about it as you go in the same way a novelist would, I guess. And then there are all these spaces between these, I guess, mini sessions because a table game is, you know, three, four, five hours. Uh, but my sessions are all like 30 minutes. And so there's all a lot of downtime between the gaming, gaming slash writing sessions in which the, the, that tiny segment is going through my mind. Uh, and I come across ideas of what's going to happen next if it isn't obvious um just just by kind of like the marbles rolling around in my head over the course of the day or you go for a walk or you go to work and you have an idea on the commute on the way home and and that's actually my my gaming ideas in solo play are better than my gaming ideas at the table because you're not improvising it, to be a good dm at a table you have to be a good improviser i'm like I'm an okay improviser. I'm not a great improviser. Most of my first ideas are not my best ideas. Usually my third and fourth ideas are my best ideas. And so this kind of slow gaming through the through solo play and and I guess essentially journaling it into a into a radio script, um, it makes the actual play like much, much better than it would have been if it was all off the cuff and live. Of course, you miss something too. You you lose the social aspect of it too. So there's some there's some given and there's some take, but overall, it's it's well worth it. If if any of your listeners and viewers are thinking like, should I try solo play? Yeah, you should try it. It's 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 better than you think, and it's different than you think. Okay, go ahead, Rob. So, uh, John, how often does your how often does your podcast come out? Is it a weekly, or is it every two weeks, or every day, every couple of days? It's every it's yeah, it's every ten days. That's that's as fast as I can do it. Um, it's it's really labor intensive. Mm -hmm. um, it's a 
about 15 to 20 hours per ep uh, all in from from the writing and the <clears throat> recording and the sound effects and the music and the mix down um, and, and there's even things like wrangling voice talent and uh, advertising uh, promotional partners it's about yeah about 15 to 20 hours per episode and so in a 10-day stretch that's that's really all of my free time so it's it's all of my hobbies uh, in a sandwich now, it's it's a hobby sandwich if I were if I wanted to get into this would I need to start at the beginning or could I pick up the latest episode and you do a recently on or, or, do, or is I there, a, yeah, is there an episode where we should start, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that's a good, that's a great question. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it dawned on me in, I've, I'm in season two right now. Mm-hmm. I'm about a third of the way through season two. And it had dawned on me in season one that it might be difficult to get new listeners if they kind of, you know, when you look at a really thick novel and you kind of nope out, you're like, I would actually rather read three small novels in a trilogy than one gigantic Martin-sized novel, just psychologically. It looks like a lot of work. It's the same thing, but just psychologically. Uh, And so I started thinking, you know, people might look at, oh, there's 40, 50, 60, 70 episodes of season one. I think it gets to 76. Uh, Do I want to listen to all those? They're short. They're 30 minutes long. But that's a lot to... That's a lot. That's a thick. Novel. That's like three grog talk episodes. I know. Yeah, but he actually, <laughs> but, but he actually edits them. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, I, I did think of this, and so when I did season two, I thought it's got to be a fresh start. And so, like the first thing you'll hear in season two is, "Hey, this is John, a creative child of the Manticore, and uh, I want you to know that uh, you don't need to know anything from season one to pick up right here in season two. So it's it's a persistent world. It sometimes will call back to season one, but if you didn't get the reference, you would miss nothing in the plot. It's it's just some treats for people that have been with me the whole way. Uh, and it's kind of like a 20 years after the events of season one. Now it's season two. When I do season three, I'll, I'll do the same thing. And I do definitely do that like last time on, uh, just because even 10 days is enough to forget what's going on. And uh, every 10 episodes, I do uh, like a five minute of here's everything you've missed. And it's it's for a reminder or uh, an, even an on-ramp for people that just kind of want to skip ahead. I, I don't know that a lot of people do that, but it's those are easy for me to make and put out. And so I figure, well, there's certainly no harm there in doing a five minute recap. And uh have you gotten comments? I know, like for a lot of quote unquote normal podcasts, I listen to them at 1.5 speed, um, you know, because a lot of it's, um, uh, mm, e, you know, and yeah. so you can yeah. condense it. And we actually sound much better at chipmunk speed. Do you get comments that, so, you know, do you, have you listened to yourself at 1.5? Because it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's no. kind of interesting because, you know, you, you set it up for 1.0 and, I, I know a lot of folks who consume lots of podcasts. They want to maximize their time. So, yeah. I mean, 1.5 is for some people like, well, that's like junior. Some people are listening to two, two times. It's incredible. So I was just, uh, I listened, when I listened to your, you know, you, you suggested episode two and a couple others. I listened to them. I listened yeah, to one yeah. speed. It's, and again, the production value is, is very good. It's a very high quality. Thanks. It sounds like a team is putting it together. It doesn't sound like two guys and their mom's, uh, spare room with some D and D stuff behind them. 
is is there. I'm just I, saying. I, I, that's, not I, just, I, that's not just some D and D stuff. That that's is high praise D and D stuff. You you've got uh, you've got a treasure trove back there. I I'm I've got enormous envy. Well, we were fortunate in that the last time we played D and D, I've said this story a few times. I took most of the stuff and we said, all right, but you know, we could, we were playing every week, so we just assumed, all right, I'll see you next week. You were fourteen. Uh, I was I was about eighteen. And that was the end. 88 was around when I ended playing D&D. 88, 89. And, you know, I left some of the stuff in the trunk like I did. And then that was the last time we played in 30 years. Someone stole your car. No, no one didn't steal my car. But I don't have my original. I've shown this to many people. My pride and joys. Here's my player's handbook with still the original little thing on it. That's where I use the, the type thing on it. So... Uh, but yeah. I don't have the D, and I have Monster Manual's the same, but my DMG is my friend's, you know, because he took mine by, because again, we just assume we'd get together. Um, yeah. Anyway, but, you know, nostalgia, and that's why we play first edition for us, or the old school games, because I'm sure right. there are different versions, but that's what we grew up with. That's what Dan says, you know, I'm okay with nostalgia. Well, well John, you, so you've yeah. mentioned uh, your process of how you come up with the story and your characters. And you talked about rolling dice. Is there, but you haven't talked about, is a, um, a game system. Are you, are you playing AD&D? Are you playing BX? Are you playing, what, how, how, you know, if, if, there's a, if there's a game, then there's, a, there's an underlying system. So what do you use? Oh, yeah. There's, there's a system, and, and I am slavishly um, devoted to whatever the dice uh, say happens and try and follow the rules uh, mostly as written. So I, I use BX and it's, um, it's not the last game I played. I think when I stopped, it was second edition, uh, which I loved, uh, and was very much, you know, when I was a kid, we very much thought that advanced D and D was for big boys right. and basic D and D was basic. It was for basic people. Uh, but I picked up basic for a couple of reasons. Uh, the biggest one is that it's so simple, um, that, it works for the medium. So, so radio or, or podcastry, same thing, I guess. Um, you, you want it to be so, so easy to explain and to get. Uh, and so I, I found that 5e, um, one, I didn't know it very well. Uh, but two, it just felt like there was a lot, a lot of, a lot of rules and sub rules and subsystems Whereas BX, there was almost nothing. I knew it like the back of my hand, absolutely backwards and forwards. I knew every page of that of that book, uh, and so when when you don't know what to do, you just make it up, right? Rulings over rules, and so I thought this is the right system for a podcast. If I was doing something else, I might use it. I might have used Advanced. That probably would have been where I'd have gone to. But Basic was just easy, and, and then in the tradition of Basic players i hacked it so I, ha- I have a couple of house rules uh like any like any good table would do um and so i i've customized it for my own tastes but yeah it's bx and really it's just because it's such a it's such a light system it's and it just really works well and i i can't deny that it's got like a powerful nostalgia for me um and it's funny because when i played it as a kid my imagination was cartoony the games were cartoony but I'm using BX now for like the most deadly, serious, bloody stuff you could imagine. It's almost a horror uh, podcast. I, I think that that would hey, be Hey, ours is a horror podcast. Stuff. You cannot monopolize. 
People are li- living oh, no, hard. Your, no, no, yours is horrifying. Oh, horrifying. It's different. That's <laughs> different. Yeah, okay. So, so John, I mean, that's a good point. And, and one of the things I also liked is you are a, an adherent to the dice don't lie. The, the dice, Absolutely. They, you know, the, what happens, happens, you know. And, yeah. you know, when I listened to it, that's what it was also, because that's kind of our mantra here. The dice don't lie. They don't lie. Um, and so, right. um, you know, I think I really appreciated that from you. So uh, one, one of my thoughts was, and we talked a little about this last night, is you've been doing this, like you said, this is 20 hours every 10 days. You were doing this during, during mm-hmm. the pandemic, which again, for some may have given you more time or not, depending on you know, everyone's circumstance. But now yeah. the pandemic is over from a perspective, everyone's back to work, everyone's doing things. How, and and mm-hmm. you've been doing this now three years, pretty much nonstop. Mm-hmm. How, do you keep, how do you keep it going? What's, how, what's the fire that keeps it going? Because it's, you know, it's a grind. It's a lot, you're doing it all yourself. Yeah, uh, it, most of it is uh, some of the, some of the jobs are just jobs. You know, if I'm I go in and scrub out uh, the ums, ahs and uh, like lip noises and all that noises your mouth makes that you had no idea your mouth made until you start edit, editing audio. It's a surprising lot and it's pretty gross. I get rid of all that stuff. Uh, that is not a fun job, but I, but I do it. But most of it I really enjoy. And, you know, I think it's I think it's. Um, it's Dirk the Dice's deep, deep freeze. This is where the fire comes from. I, I was uh, sitting on this uh, joy of RPGs for decades, and then when I pulled the cork out again, after you know, just three years ago, the reservoir under there is it was under pressure, and it came out like a geyser of of oil, uh, and I I feel like I will I will never not have a huge uh, raging fire of D&D stories to tell. I can't, I can't get enough of it, to be honest. Uh, and I think part of it is because I, I suppressed it for decades. And so now it's just, it, it just gushes out of me. Like I, I never don't want to do it. I always, I always want to come and work on my show and uh, whether it's recording, writing or uh, editing or, or writing, I, I even do my own scoring for it. I, I could just get it off some uh, site, but most of the music, um, I'm playing it just because I, I just can't get enough. No, that's, that's I, awesome. I love it. I want it to be all my hobbies. Yeah. That's wonderful. It's, it's great to hear the enthusiasm. So, um, you know, again, thank you for your time today. So what do you do? What's next? I mean, I read your blog about 2023 and some of your goals you'd mentioned uh, about making a book possibly. So tell us what's, what's 2023, 24 look like for Tale of the Manicore? It's a, uh, it's it's really exciting for me, largely because um, I'm actually reti- retiring oh, this year in a few congratulations. months. Congratulations! Thank thanks. Uh, it's it's been a long road, um, and so I'm gonna have I'm gonna have time. I'm gonna have pandemic levels of time on my hands. More even, uh, if I want to invest it in the show, um, and 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 I'm sure I will to some degree. So so there's a couple of things that I want to do, but one of them is. Uh, I've been toying with this idea of putting out a book, uh, which would essentially be a kind of a transcript of the show. And and it's going to resemble, well, you guys will know, those examples of play from the old books, 
like with uh, what was it Black Dougal? Uh, is that the name of the rogue in the one where they're trying to decide whether to kill a goblin or something yeah. like that? Or everybody knows about Alina and Barbara. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to resemble that. That's that's kind of what the script that I make for the show looks like. And so I thought this this might be a good uh, book. It's it's not a novelization of the show and turned into a story that wouldn't work well. It's it's got to be part game. Uh, because it lacks some of the the arcs and payoffs that a novel would normally have. Like my gaming, my my podcast is full of these Chekhov's guns that have never fired because the dice have said that they don't. They're not going. They get sort of just sidelined in the way that a, a game does sideline ideas and focus on others. Anyway, so I I think I will put out this book and and I'm going to give myself a kind of goal. Like if I reach a half a million downloads, then I'll put out the book. That that would be like, okay, there's a benchmark where I could see there's maybe a, de- a demand for it. Um, I don't, it's going to be some work, uh, not not a ton of work. I've got some artists that have expressed interest in, uh, in joining me. And uh, that's very exciting too, because uh, when, when people send me artwork of my story, it actually blows my mind. Fan art? Uh, that... Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I when I got the first one, I must have fallen off my chair. And but since then, it's it's been quite a quite a lot, and uh, it, it still absolutely blows me away that anybody that would take the time to do that, or or would want to do that, or has the, an interest in my show uh, anywhere near my own. Uh, it, it's it's humbling, and uh, it, I, I got to say, doing the show has has really like given given me a lot for for the soul i guess um just because uh you i wouldn't have thought that anybody would care about this story it's just uh i guess i guess it's found an audience and uh and um some people kind of kind of kind of get it i i suppose uh anyway so uh, i guess i got sidetracked there anyway (laughs) yes you're on our show that is that is that is our that is the currency of the realm here that's how we do that's it sounds it sounds Um, lovely i think i might do this novel idea and uh and put out like a season one novel and just see how it does um whether i would be looking for a publisher god would any publisher touch this it's i can't even explain what it is (laughs) i would have to elevator pitch it to a publisher and say like I've got this idea. It's kind of like a a game, but it's also kind of like a a novel. But it's neither of those things. Would you like to maybe get behind it with some um, production and publicity? Yeah. And I, I'm sure that I would I would get a lot of rejection. An letters. independent company who's forward thinking and looking for ways to move independent creators forward. Yeah. With absolutely no budget. With no for, budget, but a fire no, and passion. Wire and fire and passion yeah. for it. I'm sure there's some people out there who would what, love to what do you, that. What, <laughs> what, uh, what you perhaps aren't aware is that James is... Uh, I, I have a gaming company and I publish a magazine and uh, a half a dozen modules. And what... Mm-hmm. And ninety percent of my so here is our here is our uh, periodical the fanzine flipping and turning and so that's he's he's yes. he's the Tim Cask of our the reason of our the group. reason why he ninety uh, percent of my effort comes from them dragooning me in in exactly the way he's trying to do now. <laughs> I'm not dragooning anything. I'm just clearly look the, he has such loyal fans. They, apparently, he has blue ghosts in his show, in his show there, because look at that fan art behind him. 
So, yeah. Oh. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. See that blue yeah. ghost right there? Yes. It's, it's there's a there's a there's a creeper yeah, over here. And too. there must be there must be Minecraft things in there as well. So he's got dedicated fans. You have a fan base. He just needs he needs a muse to help him flower it, blossom it. Like Venus. I, I, I would I would say emanating that, from the shell. I would say that that John has found the uh, the his own muse and his impetus <laughs> for creating his own you show. Just call him impetus. He has an impetus. <laughs> What'd you call That's me? That's terrible. I'm so <laughs> sorry, John. That's there, horrible. There's a blue there's a blue pill for that. That's right. Well, um, again, you'll you'll send me links to all your your musings and because I, I did I did put out tale of the manicore at podbean.com. That's one way to get to it. Um, if you could provide yeah. us some links of you know things you're trying to do, we have a very we are very fortunate the community here that we have. They're very um, supportive of independent creators. They love old school gaming. Uh, and again, you hit that niche of creating a story that's thematic, dramatic, but it's grounded in the same kind of things that we like. Um, so, you know, we, we would love to be supportive of that. So just send us some links and we'll put it on the show notes and put it on our, our various other sundry things. So with that, as, as I mentioned, um, it's time for the D10. You, as a person who, uh, see, he, he prepared the D10, understanding that the dice don't lie. So one to ten. Now, the only thing that's saving grace for you is you are only a small segment of the ramp. You don't, you do not take any. Your role, if it's a ten, you helped us. If it was less, it's because it's the weight of the we first two hours down. drags yes. it down. So exactly. I just, I want to, oh, I, I want to qualify that. So yes, please it, roll the D10. This number is not. So, this is not a judgment on you. It's a judgment on us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I feel like I'm being set up here. <laughs> okay, here, here we go. go. It's a four. four. See, so eight. it's probably eight for him. It would have been an eight, eight or yeah. ten for him, right. and then we did one and two, and you average it, yeah. and it it's becomes all good. a four. Well, so like ahead. a little worse than your average show, yeah? Is that? I, I is would that say that I'd say there's a bell curve. <laughs> right. And and you do get you do get uh, a pro probably it was a minus one due to the fact that Dan's not here, and Dan would have. So it's pros and cons. The good news is you're you're done before noon. With Dan here, we would be still talking. Probably. Yeah, he would be at. Uh, that's okay. The Dan bring uh, the um, the Dan's Dan's wonderful. I'm just I'm just filling in. Right. Well, so for Grog Talk, I'm James. I'm Rob. And thank you, John, for showing up and being such a gracious uh, guest. And we will see you all next time on Grog Talk. Take care. This is Big Abushi Puppy Production. All rights reserved.